1: Hey everybody, it's A Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, and my awesome guest today is Dr. Jennifer Johnson and thank you so much for joining me today. I love that I have such a pioneer on my show today and I feel like we have a little bit in common because I'm going to assume that you hated seeing animals in pain and um, did something about it that wasn't just, you know, giving them a prescription painkiller, um, that you actually went outside of the box and figured out something else. And um, I, I love everything that you're doing. So welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Um,
1: and I know that you do have, you have two vet practices, right? In Arizona, that is? Well, no, I, um,
2: I, I had owned a practice in the Philadelphia area. Now, um, I relocated to Arizona and I'm semi-retired now and nice. all, I do, all I do now is teach and, um, consult, which is great it, for, it's a whole new, um, learning experience for me being, a. Um, on the board of the International Veterinary Academy of Pain Management is busy and now I'm president. So it's, it takes up a lot of time and we, we, uh, it's great to kind of reinvent yourself after 27 years and kind of find a new way to do it. I still um, practice in Arizona, just um, relief work and I do surgery at a practice down down in my town, which is great.
1: Very cool. So tell me about this um, organization. Uh, it's so awesome to know that it exists. Is it, yeah. is it, um, are they exploring other mobility? Mo- what am I trying to say? Mobali- mo- I can't even say modalities to take care of dogs who are in pain and, and meaning just not give them a prescription med, but other things. Is this why yeah. this organization came to be?
2: Well, it came to be um, about 20 years ago, um, there there were a group of veterinary professionals, um, some boarded diplomats that were realizing that there were organizations for anesthesia. Um, So there's plenty of groups um, uh, that deal with uh, anesthesia and they kind of took over pain management and they really talked about that Perioperative pain management thing. You know, what kind of drugs can we use when we provide a procedure, do a procedure that we can provide pain relief? But nobody was really talking about chronic pain. And that's kind of how it started. And there was a group of pioneers that were saying, you know, somebody has to educate about. Um, chronic pain, and specifically multimodal or, you know, comprehensive ideas of using pharmacological and non-pharmacological um, pain modalities. And upstr- you can think about 20 years in veterinary medicine that, that from that sprung the idea of, of rehabilitation. Oh, sure. All right. So tell me
1: about the International Veterinary Academy of Pain Management. Tell me how they came about and what their purpose is. Cause I, what I think is so funny is, and I was, I did this too, is how we don't, you know, you turn a certain age and you have to change certain things, what your diet is, what you're eating, how you exercise, things start getting achy, things start deteriorating. Same thing happens to our pets, you know, and I, and I don't know why we don't think this Mm -hmm. because they still look like puppies. You know, we don't think that they're having the same problems, but they do. And the fact that there isn't, you know, nobody goes, okay, when your dog turns this age, he may have this issue. Um, You know, and what I found out is what the, what the problems my dogs were going through when they turned seniors and geriatric, everybody's dogs go through, And I think it's so funny that we don't even think about it. So I'm so excited to know that you said this organization's been around 25 years.
2: Yeah, so um, it's been around for a little while. Um, It was a group of pain management pioneers, mostly in veterinary anesthesia, um, that realized that they needed to create this organization for education that would also talk about chronic pain because nobody was really... um, taking hold and really discussing chronic pain and also discussing all of the advent of, of, of really good research that shows that non-pharmacologic options are, are valid because there's always been that, oh, pharma, pharma, pharma kind of thing. And, um, So, and from this over the past 15 years with rehabilitation and acupuncture and chiropractic and a lot of things that are having more evidence, CBD, obviously, um, uh, that are having a lot more evidence um, has taken hold. And the the IVAPM has really two um, important tasks. One is to educate veterinarians and veterinary staff. Um, and about pain management, about assessing and treating pain holistically, and the other is to educate pet owners. So, putting those two together and being an international organization, this is really great because um, we forget that really we are in the infancy of animal pain management um, in other countries as well. so we also started a campaign that was its about six years old uh, for September being Animal Pet Pain Awareness Month. And that kind of coordinates with the Human Pain Awareness Month is also September. So we do a lot of campaigning and advertising with that. We also have a certification program. So as a veterinarian or a veterinary technician, you can become certified. As what
1: about a-, a medical cannabis expert? Yeah, exactly. So, Could I? Could uh, I really yeah. get certified?
2: Yes, you could. Yes, you could. You could. Awesome. Um, a certified veterinary pain practitioner is just showing um, the same type of um, certification process that a lot of people undergo. Not quite a diplomat status, but continuing education, case reports, and an examination. which Wonderful. Is awesome. Yeah.
1: Well, mm-hmm. I think um, I th- I think it's so important for this organization to exist and for you to be so knowledgeable because. The number one thing that I think is an issue is how uh, our pets show us that they're in pain, which they don't really. I mean, okay. if it's not something that makes them limp, you don't know. Right. Um, you have to be really keen in cats, especially. I mean, cats, right. you just, they'll go hide under the bed and you don't even know what's going on. But right. uh, I think it's so important because we don't think about our dogs aging and I think about a young person having a dog, they don't even know what aging is yet, Mm -hmm. you know? They don't even know there's aches and pains to come or, you know, what's to come. So I think it's so important. Like, um, when my dog basically started showing signs of aging, I got told he had a brain tumor. I got told he had collapsing trachea. I mean, I got told everything. And if I had listened, he'd be on all kinds of meds. And he's not. Um taken care of by CBD, acupuncture, and chiropractic. I did change his diet because now he's an old man. So I was like, okay, I had to change my diet. I'm sure I need to simplify things. So I looked into that and he's great now. But, you know, I looked into it and knew that he had um, some sort of degenerative, something in the, the back end, um, whether it was degenerative myelopathy or That's what I diagnosed him with and then realized that nine out of 10 dogs suffer from some form of degenerative disease in their back end and people don't recognize it. And then I I own a grooming and boarding business also. And then when I see now that I recognize it and I see a two-year-old German shepherd walk in who's already standing and favoring and having issues, I'm like, oh my gosh, what is happening? you know, now we're, now we've got genetics, you know, the reason that we have, that I have a Frenchie on my logo is because of how many Frenchies I would meet at two years old who were filled with problems, including being paralyzed. You know, they're not using their back ends. Right. And it's, you know, gosh, we've got to do something. And, and I don't think that people realize that, you know, it's a cutoff of communication. You know, it's inflammation, and I love that you have a, a method of helping this. So first, tell me about the thermal imaging, mm-hmm. and then I would love to hear more about um, the laser. I've heard um, wonderful, I have, you know, know some people who have used it for their pups and have had wonderful um, results from it. Yeah. So tell me about thermal image imaging first, because that makes so much pe- so much sense, because I hate anytime you have to do anything, they're like, oh, we have to like put them under and do x-rays. And then I'm like, oh, gosh, why? There's got to be a better way.
2: <laughs> well, that, that um piqued my interest. So my, my interest in pain management started because of being a general practitioner and feeling like all I was doing was trying to figure out what was wrong. Like come to a diagnosis and as a, as a clinician, that's your goal, right? Figure out what's wrong, put a name to something. Right. And I, and I realized I wasn't, maybe I wasn't so good at it. I was out of practice for, uh, in practice for about 10, 11 years. And I said, you know, I need to do something to make them feel better while I'm figuring out what's wrong with Amen. Them That's
1: how I feel. That's why I love CBD. I'm like, well, the number one thing is to stop the pain or the suffering or the anxiety, and then we'll figure out everything else.
2: And maybe it was a little ego because I was like, well, I'll look like a hero if I'm making them feel better while I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with them. Like what disease do they have? And, um, so I, that started the interest in pain management. And over time, as I, um, learned more and and um sat and and got my certified veterinary pain practitioner. and I started to use things like laser and um, pulse electromagnetic field and all of these things. i was I became very interested in the idea of how can I get animals to tell me if they're in pain? because that's the number one thing that that clients say to you. They' say they say, doc, how do you know they're in pain? And I'm like, I just know, I know. And two problems. One is to convince the client that you really do know. And the other is to try to really get this really stoic patient to give you a better clue. So there's lots and lots of research going on now, all kinds of great things like pain scoring and um, the idea that if you look at Facial expressions and and it's exploding now. Finally, um, following what has happened in human medicine with assessing pain, but the biggest thing that we see uh, is is looking at um, at our patients and in, in human medicine, we're still using a lot of questionnaires. You know, answer these questions, tell us um, how you're really feeling, and we can kind of get a picture because we need some kind of Documentation, objective measurement to be able to say that what we do, and and you probably see this with CBD. How do I know it's working? Well, if I don't have a starting point, I can't really objectively say because we know that the placebo effect is huge. We know that the placebo effect among pet owners is one thing, but the placebo effect among practitioners is just as bad because we want so badly. That something to, to feel but like the placebo effect
1: but the placebo effect in pets is non-existent. so right right but we, if, we have to uh, Dr. Johnson we have to take a break and when we come right back we'll talk a little bit more.
0: It's a dog's life. We'll be back once we take our sponsors out for a short walk. Elevate your everyday with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of sugars.
1: Empire, a show dedicated to exploring the many potential therapeutic uses of the cannabis plant. Once a cornerstone of healing and now making a heroic comeback, cannabis has the potential to promote health and well-being, bring the body back to homostasis, and foster recovery for a healthier way of living. Empire focuses on a diverse range of serious health issues, presenting views ranging from those of patients and their loved ones
2: through those of researchers and medical professionals. so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com.
0: Stop barking up the wrong tree. We're back with more of It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio.
1: All right, we're back with Dr. Jennifer Johnson, and we're talking about recognizing pain um, in our pets and how you basically figured out or you're working with people who figured out how to assess it I guess I mean it's funny I've gotten you know when you really do pay attention to them I can tell on my animals the moment something's wrong And I've even gotten really good at animals at my um, shop because I'm so aware of now of what a dog looks like who's favoring a leg or has hip dysplasia or suffering from pain somewhere. To me, it's easy now that I have been so around it so much and aware and really becoming aware really helps. Um, And oftentimes it's when the dog has finally stopped eating or pooping or won't get up that they realize something's wrong.
2: Well, there's nothing I hate more um, than hearing from a client that, Oh, they're not in pain. They're just old or they're just slowing down or something like that. And it, it, the the whole educational process we're working now with the fear free people because all of the fear free trainers dog trainers and things they're realizing and understanding that a lot of fear anxiety and stress in pets can be symptoms of pain as well, underlying pain conditions. Mm -hmm. So just getting everybody on the same page and all the work that they're doing um, up at um, University of Montreal with the feline grimace scale, so with cats looking at facial expressions. But that's where I got um, excited about thermal imaging because thermal imaging has been around for a really long time, Um, really in veterinary medicine since the 70s. But... In um, human medicine, people are probably pretty familiar with it, especially now with COVID because of temperature screening. So let's get everybody healthy and make sure that we can screen a lot of people at once and be able to determine whether they have a fever or not. Right. But but medical thermal imaging doesn't really work that way at all. It's not really looking for discrete temperatures it's looking for patterns that can indicate disease. And um, so we're not comparing one dog to another dog. We're comparing that animal to itself. Amen. And, say, <laughs> and saying, Are we seeing anything that catches our eye? And for me, because I still say that I'm a dummy, for me, any other tool that I have in my toolbox, it makes sense. So I was so excited because I was using all these things that weren't, um, Oh, you know, I give I give the owner a bottle of carprofen, and they they come back a month later, and they're like, "Doc, it definitely worked." And I'm like, "Oh, because I gave you a bottle of pills." But I asked them to do therapy laser for a month, and they're like, "I don't really know if it worked." You know, so I was like, "I need something to be able to." Better assess, and so we did. We do a lot of things. We do gait analysis, we can do um, range of motion measurements. So we can say, Okay, you weren't able to the same thing that the human PTs do to you you weren't able to extend your hip this far a month ago, and now you can. So, whatever we did in that month must have made it better, right? right? So, so. Thermal imaging kind of played that part in in my practice and got me really jazzed up about being able to have another tool like this that is not invasive, that it doesn't hurt, that that can really help clinicians um, focus in on an area that might be a concern.
1: And it's so, not, it's and so the long. area could be anything from sprain, broken, disease, inflammation will
2: show up as red. Well, you can set the colors to whatever you want. So the way well, that, we're like us out in the world. Red, that's our right, You know, red, the blue is okay. Red the red, red is right. bad. But the interesting thing about thermal imaging is that so so what it does a thermal camera just measures radiated electromagnetic radiation from the patient. So. Um, it'll measure hot and cold. And the camera is so specific, it's down to 0.02 degrees centigrade. Wow. So that's like, like so every pixel. So if you have a really great, think about um, the very, very best has over 400,000 points of temperature. So if I put that on a human to look at breast tissue or an animal to look at the body, I can see disparity. So I'm saying one of these sides doesn't look like the other, but it's not necessarily just about heat. It could be about hypothermia too. So there, almost, you get almost more information about neurologic disease with lower temperature because wow. if you if you think about what happens when we have some kind of nerve impingement we have a sympathetic response that causes vasoconstriction so whenever you see um, disc disease or, or neck disease or anything that's neurologic, you're probably going to see hypothermia, and that's much more obvious. And people a lot of times always go to the red and the white, but sometimes the blue and the black make. Um, so I always tell people when we're looking at, at thermographs, is we're looking at disparity, we're looking at asymmetry, we're looking at um, one of these, and it's interesting because if you look at the animal, you're just seeing uh, an anatomical representation, or if you take radiographs or send them for an MRI, you're looking at anatomical changes that have already happened that cause changes on the x-ray or whatever. So that happened in the past and created something. Right. When when we do a thermograph, when we do thermography, we are looking at changes, physiologic changes that are occurring right now at this moment in time. They cool. might not have been there yesterday they might they're there and um, people say, well it doesn't penetrate, but we know that the skin really represents everything that's happening deeper. And from a pain management perspective, the question I always get well is it measuring pain? is it and um, it's not measuring pain, but if you think about there's two, pain pathways, there's the central and there's the peripheral. And what really represents what happens in the periphery is blood vessels, mast cells, which are happened during inflammation and, um, nerve endings. So all three of those things are going to be, you know, white blood cells get recruited when there's, when there's pain, when there's inflammation, we'll have, um, the, that promotion of this whole inflammatory response that you can pick up with thermal imaging.
1: So you pick up, so let's say, um, you pick up something bad in the rear end, you know, that, you know, it's some sort of degenerative, um, you're going to see black or blue instead of red. Well, and, and then you, you go, okay, this is where the area is. And then how do you decide what to do next? And how does laser therapy play in?
2: Yeah, so you may, again, you have this whole diagnostic package that you're doing. So you're evaluating this patient and say a dog comes in that just isn't doing right. And you have these preconceived notions. It's a Labrador that has been limping on his left hind for so long. And you have this idea that, you know, maybe this is, um, maybe this is hip pain and maybe it's, or maybe it's a iliopsoas strain or something because he goes out in the woods and, and they take radiographs and they don't see any abnormality um, on the radiographs. So no sign of osteoarthritis mm. uh, that you do thermal imaging and because you're, now you're like, well, I don't know, you know, we'll just put them on some drugs or whatever, you know. Which unfortunately happens all the time. Happens all the time. So um, you do thermal imaging and you will be able to look at the disparity between um, increased or decreased thermal gradients and say the dog lights up in the right shoulder. So there's something they didn't even think about. They kept focusing on the hind end, uh, and and that can be the issue. So being able to do, say, you know, we have to investigate further. We have to look somewhere else. We have to um, we have to figure this out. Maybe. Okay,
1: we're gonna take another break, and then you're gonna tell me. I want to know <laughs> how you figure it out. What's your next okay. step? And then I would love to learn about um, laser therapy. I think okay. it's fantastic. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm.
0: It's a dog's life we'll be back once we take our sponsors out for a short walk.
2: Hey, it's Nick Hexum from 311, and you're listening to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina on CannabisRadio.com. Now I'm ready to turn. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp
0: Inc. Dazed and Infused. Stop barking up the wrong tree. We're back with more of It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. All right,
1: we are back. I'm with Dr. Jennifer Johnson, and we're talking about thermal imaging. So you just were talking about, okay, here's an issue. We found that the shoulder, we're going to say it's the shoulder, um, is coming up with the bad colors. Mm -hmm. So you know that that's the area. I'm great at putting it in layman's terms. Yep. Uh, putting the bag colors are showing up. So, you know, this is where the issue is. What do you do next?
2: Well, so it depends. So um, sometimes you may have a client that says, you know, this tells me enough and you could offer options, especially with modalities that are really focused on the point. So I think always of photobiomodulation or laser therapy and I also think of something like pulse electromagnetic field or or even massage or some physical therapy to nor- just like us to normalize. So once we figure out something's wrong, the idea that Uh, we can do something that's more targeted to a specific area that uh, might be inflamed, might have a muscle strain, might have some osteoarthritis that's causing pain. Uh, Something cool like photobiomodulation, the the way that that works is... um, And
1: that's the laser. That's That's the the laser. laser therapy.
2: Yeah um that so it's a different wavelength than surgical laser or hair growth laser but it's a specific wavelength of light that stimulates the mitochondria the basically the energy cells um intracellularly to do their job properly to be able to um make energy the way that they should and so it speeds healing Uh, research, lots of good research with um, nerve regeneration and um, reducing inflammation um, works um, intracellularly. So the biggest changes that we've seen in laser therapy in the last 20 years, because a lot of the research initially was not so great, similar to cannabis, right? That that, um, probably the dose was wrong. You know the same thing that happens as you research new things right. that we're finding that um, the dose is really important. The wavelength is important, but the amount of of little light particles that you get into the cell makes the difference. Um, That's amazing.
1: So what yeah. are some of the things, the best things that you see of a dog? like, of course, just like we said before, how do you see the difference? you know with with a CBD, a full spectrum product, whether it's pain, whether it's disease or whatever, is either immediate, next day, or by a week. You're seeing your dog happier, more active, doing the things they used to is that they used to do to to love that play with their toy, or run outside, whatever it is. Do you right. see that same type of response after they get
2: yeah. I, I I do. You can see it right away, and awesome. we we um, think about it um, in terms of that. Once you get um, that that cellular pathway working properly, you will need to use less and be able to keep it constant. Um, see, I love
1: that, it. It's just like cannabis medicine. It's just, it's just it's very like the similar, and the cannabinoid system is. You know, we've got this wonderful plant that fills the deficiencies in the endocannabinoid system. Doesn't mean you always have to take that much. Sometimes you do, but all it's doing is help the body do what it's supposed to do. So that's why I love these natural therapies is like, there's nothing, no medicine that's going to be better than the own body using its immune system and fighting off and healing itself. So I love that this is another alternative. What well, does someone want to do if they want to ha- get their dog this therapy? How the heck do they find someone? Are they licensed? How do they know, you know, even I'm hoping this association maybe will. Yeah. So show.
2: there, there are a lot of, um, if you find, a. Uh, um, uh, IVAPM member on the website, you'll be able to know that, first of all, this is a veterinarian or a veterinary practice that pain is at the forefront, which I think is really important. Yep. Um, that's step one. You want to you go to a doctor that realizes that this is important. Yep. And um, then we, I really like to look for veterinarians that have experience in things that are not just even general practitioners that are not just one dimensional because what, what we're finding in human pain management is exactly the same thing that, that we need a whole, um, holistic approach to being able to manage pain.
1: I mean, and I feel like I'm saying amen for the third time. <laughs> I think this is a record.
2: Right. Well, it's, I mean, look at the opioid crisis and the reason it started and all the things. It was interesting what you said about, about things that you put in your body that actually do, do worse things for you in the long run, um, where we're looking for other options and not to say that the IVAPM is not interested in using drugs. We're interested in the whole picture.
1: Right. But, you know, most people would go see their vet. Their dog would be in some sort of pain. They would do the typical stuff and just hand them a painkiller. Mm-hmm. And that's not helping them at all. So mm-hmm. I love that this is an alternative. So what is the website that people can go to to find a, a place to get this therapy done? And and do they go hand in hand? Does the thermal imaging happen and then the laser
2: yeah. So when with thermal imaging, that's wonderful. And the the veterinary, there's a couple thermal imaging. There's not many that are um, that are approved for medical use. There's there's lots of thermal, and people are like, oh yeah, we use that in the military to search for people. Right, right. Or we use that. But we're looking at medical grade ones, so there's a couple options. Um, the company that I consult with is Digatherm, D-I-G-A-T-H-E-R-M. So so they we, could go on that they website. They could go on that right. website and learn about um, thermal imaging and veterinary thermal imaging. Uh, the same, their parent company is the one that's very involved with temperature screening. So and you know, getting people back to work right now and being able to make the society safe, but that same technology being used for medicine, um, in human and veterinary medicine is, is huge. Um, but for, for other pain management, go to the IVAPM.org, um, international veterinary academy of pain management.org. And there's lots of information about laser therapy and, and assessing pain and, and how can I as a pet owner determine whether my patient awesome. is in pain.
1: Yeah. awesome I love it thank you so much for being the president and if they want to follow you directly do you have website Facebook are you on all of those good things that yes can I follow?
2: am yeah and there's a lot there's there's um there is um a Facebook page the IVAPM and there's also um um which is an open group to pet owners and everything they Very can find lovely. me there
1: Thank you, Dr. Jennifer Johnson, so much for joining me today. And I really appreciate, I learned so much and I can't wait to tell everybody about this new way to look at your dog's health because it is amazing um, what we go through as owners. You know, it's just, I feel like we get put through everything and just get handed a prescription pill and it's not the answer. We want to know what's wrong. What can we do? How can we support them holistically? We don't have to pump them with drugs. Let's figure out what, what it is and then get them the good drugs if we can't find a natural way to deal with it. So thank you so much for all your work. I really appreciate what you've done for the, our pets. I really do. You're and welcome. take care. It was awesome thank talking you. to you. Have a good one.